Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. I'm scared to close my eyes. I'm scared to open them. It's the 1980s with the Literary License Podcast retrospective of 80s horror films with your co-hosts Joe Radazzo, Vicky Ray, John Wilson, and Keith Shago keeping everything tubular and rad. I'm not even going to swat that fly. I hope they are watching. They'll see. They'll see and they'll know. They'll say. She wouldn't even I'm your number one fan. Hello, welcome to the Literary License Podcast, and it's the 80s, where we're doing our two-for-one 80s films, and today we'll be covering Dead, Dead and Buried and The Uninvited. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us today. We got Vicky Ray with us. Hello, Vicky. Hey, everybody. And Joe Randazzle. Hello, Joe. Hello, everyone. And John Wilson. Hello, John. Good day, folks. And we got Craig. <laughs> Hello, Craig Johnson. Hello, everybody. Hello, Governor. David Grant. Hello, David. <laughs> Hello. Hello there, and happy 2022, everyone. It's 2022. Wow. And I'm your co-host, <laughs> And before we get started, let's find out what we've all been up to. And we'll start out with you, David. What have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, uh, Craig set up a great site for me uh, called Acid Monk, which is like a platform for some new songs that I'm writing, you know? And um, I've just completed some stuff uh, about three new songs and a couple of instrumentals, and they're going on the site this year, maybe cool. next month. Yeah, so I'm really look. I'm really getting into sort of uh, writing the instrumentals at the moment. It's like little ideas that kind of hang around your head for years, and then finally you oh. get a, a garage band platform to get them out. You know, because they kind of sort of kick around in your head. And it's funny. I, I started a song this morning, getting off the bus. Um, it's called, it's a, it's kind of an ode to OCD, which, uh, you know, I, I can sort of write with sort of like a uh, true insight. <laughs> anyway, you could sing uh, to my old man. Yeah, yeah I was thinking <laughs> of the, uh, the, the, the Dick Van Dyke song from uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. You know, it's, um, they used to do a song called uh, The Old Bamboo. The Old Bamboo, The Old Bamboo. Well, I thought, how about do it in OCD? So it'd be like, oh, the OCD, the OCD. You can't get better than the OCD. You can't touch this and you can't touch that. And there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I know that song oh too well myself. I know. So. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, and you're gigging, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. We're doing some open mic nights. So that's been good fun, you know. 
meeting up with some old mates and just playing some songs and you know and it's great it's, it's a great excuse nice. to learn some new songs like um i've been learning there's something by georgie harrison you know and um uh oh do you know that song golden brown by the stranglers you know great yeah. song you know yes yeah, so i'm working on that one at the moment so it's good to get back to music again you know great Good deal. Well, you, it's kind of funny with me because you never know where the inspiration takes you. I remember yeah. watching um, Bjorn Olivas from um, ABBA talking about how he came up with Take a Chance on Me. And basically oh, yeah. it, was him, it was him jogging. So take a chance, take a chance, take a chance, take a chance. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's The way right. that he jogged, that's where that inspiration came the, from. The rhythm. Interesting. Yeah. That's good. That's cool. Cool. And what about yourself, Craig? What have you been up to now that you're over COVID? Oh, good. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I was pretty sick for most of the Christmas, oh, but um, I just got back from Time Fracture, <laughs> Doctor Who Time Fracture. Oh, yes, yes. I oh, saw your pictures. Oh, my day. It was amazing. It's in uh, the it's in uh, Bond Street. Um, it's about five minutes from Bond Street at Immersive London. And it was just, it was brilliant. I met Davros and uh, uh, he had a go at David because um, David forgot some lines that he told him to say. So he told him to say from Scarrow to Gallifrey. And I think I said and from, then, uh, uh, from pissed, Starbridge to Edinburgh or something. You know? we, we pissed Davros off. But, yeah, it was, it was so I got ticked off by Davros, yeah. which was a bit. <laughs> uh, you go to get your geek on and. David, you dropped the ball. No, I know. I, I let the whole team down. The whole planet blew oh, up because. No. Of, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, on Craig's um, actually Craig sold a new a few I went, new I pens. Went, yeah. I went back to work oh, on um, this week. Yeah, so yeah. Been, it was um, yeah back to the back to the madness. So, into the fray once more. The, back to, to getting your um. Seven COVID tests sent to you on a weekly basis from the government, probably. Yeah, I have to well, test that. They made my daughter take about 50 before they let her back on the plane to come home. I didn't um, think I was ever getting her back. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. My little girl. She didn't get home for Christmas, but she got home for my birthday, but she was stuck in the UK. I we also do a flow test twice a week yeah. and, then, and then report our findings now. Yeah. That'd be twice a week. So. I don't think she suffered much because she really likes the UK, though. No. Well, she's just stuck inside <laughs> watching Christmas telly in the UK. So it's not oh, bad. great. Yeah. Meet me the in The first Saloon. few days, she didn't sound really good, but I was really glad I know people over there. That made me feel a whole lot better. Yeah. Yeah. And what about yourself, John? What have you been up to? Uh, I'm actually been feeling better myself i was sick literally the last like from the 19th of december until about the oh, 6th no. the 7th of january i was sick and i did i did a pcr i came back negative however right. that was in the seven day window so i could have yeah. technically still had it but i whatever i had was horrible <laughs> um yes. so i already said to my friends i need a redo of christmas and new year's because i oh i know i at least got to stay in this beautiful home and i had my beautiful fur babies to just keep me company and i played stardew forever <laughs> like i've been playing building my building nice my farm play, on stardew so. valley um, oh, that's but awesome. yeah but Sorry it was, you were it, sick i didn't know you were ill yeah well, and you it, already moved because moving while you were sick would have been just oh horrific. god yeah. Yeah. and and also my cat a month prior to that had a uti so i was like oh my god i can't imagine all that going on all at once like i would have just 
threw myself out the window. with the fur babies. They come first. Yeah. <laughs> and so that they were, they were here comforting me. Um, and, you know, it is what it is. You know, yeah, well, you, you could do? always get a redo. There's no, there's no, no law as of yet that says you have to do Christmas on this day. So. Yeah. I mean, I always travel typically on Christmas day, so I never really celebrate Christmas on Christmas. Christmas. I celebrate just, it after or before. So it's just being with your family and friends, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And eating yeah. lots of vulgar food. So. Yeah. Well, that I did. I've never been more sick of takeout food in my entire life. <laughs> oh, I, I bet. Oh, yeah. For bet. two weeks, every fucking day was breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Takeout, 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 takeout. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, shoot <laughs> me. <laughs> my daughter at Uber Eats. I mean, I saw our credit card. Yeah. We have a credit card we share. And my daughter, when she was stuck in the UK with COVID, she. Uber Eats, Uber Eats, yep. Uber Eats. No. Uber Eats. <laughs> That'll drain your wallet, man. That is. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. But, uh, what about yourself, Joe? What have you been up to? Uh, I've been working on this. Uh, I've been uh, working with the with this guy that Joe Estevez sent my way. Um, beyond that, there was a COVID outbreak at my job, so I've been working there more than. Uh, Still, I got school. it, right? What's up? You didn't get it, right? So far. As far as I know, I didn't get it. Um, I never had any symptoms, so right. I, I never. Felt well, you got shots get... and got boosted, didn't you? And all that. Yeah, stuff? yeah. So I, if I did get it, I, I didn't know. Um, I never felt. I never felt any symptoms, so I don't know if uh, if I had it or not. But I was constantly wearing the mask at work, so right. Um, if I if I did have it, hopefully I didn't spread it. But as far as I know, I didn't. Well, it looks like um, it's going to be too cold up in your neck of the woods. No one's going out this weekend. Oh, it's well, freezing. I'm, 12 I'm degrees. Not on oh. Monday. I'm going to New York for a week on Monday. We're, it's not going to be much better. But A snowstorm. <laughs> Are you watching the weather? There's mm. a huge snowstorm going to hit New York. Oh, great. Lovely. <laughs> no, I haven't been watching the weather. <laughs> you might want to keep an eye on that. I, it's supposed to be really bad this, by the time. Well, depending on where you're going to land, it could be a problem for you Monday. So you might want to check, honey. Oh, Monday's when I'm flying in. Great. All right. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm going to be flying in in the middle of a snowstorm. Yeah, the only thing I've been watching are 1930s and 40s noir and gangster movies. So, yeah. I, I love those, though. Those I are great. I haven't been watching shit but that. But, all right. Great. Lovely. Uh, I, might be, I might be flying into a storm. <laughs> well, that, well, I was just telling you what the general networks were saying today. It's really going to be bad in the mid-central uh, eastern seaboard. They're going to get, like, that much ice the way they're talking so oh this is all breaking today because i literally just got up half an hour it's breaking yesterday actually but it's breaking more today (laughs) tis the season right winter i hope not i hope you get your trip sweetie so Uh, i mean i I gotta see my nephew at this point it's been two years so that's how i feel about my son in montana i gotta get up there and now that we've heard from the harbinger of doom what else would you like to share with us Vicky? Well, I'm not dressed like the Prince of Darkness. I'm not the harbinger of doom either. I was just telling him there's supposed to be a big snowstorm. You need that sound from like Debbie Downer where it's like, dun, dun, dun. (laughs) I was just telling him, well, they're making a big deal about it. My name is Vicky Ray, and the world is in disarray. We're all going to die. Yes, the world is over. It's called Snowmageddon. I don't know. And then we'll come across the central. Y'all America. thought it was funny when Texas got shut down last February. So, <laughs> you know, no. Well, the Harbinger of Doom hasn't been doing much. But I did watch. What was I watching? Oh, do you ever watch Fender Bender? 
It's like a sleeper movie where this girl hits this guy's car and he makes her life like a living hell for two hours. No. It's, it's a really good movie. You got to watch it. And I started watching Boba Jet. I, I think I'm really liking it. I like The Mandalorian better, though, but I got the first two episodes down anyway. So we'll see what happens with the rest. But I didn't know they were going to take it off, from, take off from that one point of, was it Return of the Jedi, I guess? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then go forward with that. So I was really pleased with the beginning. So we'll see what goes on with that. But other than that, we're still just getting over the holidays and we got weird weather down here in Texas. So we're just trying to get things done around the house before it gets really icy cold again. So, but we're just hanging in there. Doing our that uh, the Fender Bender movie st- sounds a bit like Unhinged. That Russell Crow a little movie. bit, a little bit, but it's a lot. I loved Unhinged. Russell Crowe, I, I can't believe he. he well, I guess he must have gained weight on purpose, whereas no, he's always he, been he a little. No, he doesn't though. gain weight on purpose. He just gains weight. He's just portly. <laughs> yeah. He loses weight on purpose, but he just gains weight normally. Well, he did you. If you get a chance to see it, he is such a blooming asshole in this movie. Oh, yeah. and he just. It's just nonstop. I mean, this guy, so she beeps at him. And I actually, ever since I seen that movie, I don't lay on the horn like I used to because (laughs) you really don't know who's in front of you. I mean, this is Texas. Usually everybody's packing. They'll probably get out and shoot all your tires out if you piss them off too much, you know? So that movie's really good, though. I really enjoyed that movie. I know, but you know, Road Rage is so 2000. I mean, let's come on. Death Race 2000. I like Death (laughs) Race Race 2000. But they're all takeoffs. Well, personally, I haven't been up to a lot. I've been off work for last um, this week, and I'm off work next week. So I've been getting all the editing out of the way and out finally. Finally getting time off. Yeah. It's my first two weeks off in two years sort of thing. So. It's been a while, uh, hasn't it? It's been a long no two more years COVID for all of us. War, no more anything. I'm going back to my normal job when I go back. So I'll be working back to my nine to five situation again. So going back to nine to five. Yeah, there you go. You're gonna get Dave going. <laughs> David will be your first customer. I, I will, yeah. Uh, I've got a nice polka dot dress and I can put it on and go. <laughs> I'll be wait. I really want selfies, Dave. When you get that polka dot dress on there, buddy. (laughs) Well, besides that, I mean, I've just been watching a bit of television. I'm I'm caught up with you know Cobra Kai, which I love. Oh, what did you think of Cobra Kai? I loved it. I can't wait for the next season. Yeah, another one's coming. That's good. Um, Titans. I finally got through season three. Loved it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a. DC person. Not really I got a Marvel well. I was really disappointed with Eternals. I won't say I wasn't happy with it. I like Titans. I, if you've not watched Doom I Patrol, I love yet. Doom Patrol. is really good too. Yeah, I'm in Doom I got, Patrol. I got to start watching. I'm in the middle of the last season of that at the moment, which I'm really enjoying. So is Doom Patrol yeah. good? It it's good. good. I love it. I think it's hysterical. It's it's you kind of have to watch it and be like, what's going on? Because each episode right. takes you in different directions. You're like, what the hell is going on? It's one of those, it's hard to follow yeah. when you first get into it. And then you're like, okay, now it makes sense. Gotcha. They're all anti-heroes. So they're not, they're like, they don't want to be heroes. Every so time they're like, they're the like boy. I, I love come the save I'm- someone. And they're like, fuck you. I don't want to even do this. I don't even know why I'm here. They're, I'm waiting patiently good. for the boys to have their, uh, their next season. I love the boys. I can't wait for that to come back out. Uh, yeah. And I own Yellow Jacket, so I'm going to give a shout out to that. Must see television. Juliet Lewis, Christina Ritchie is bloody fantastic. Sort of. Thing. I heard it was an excellent, excellent um, show. And Cruel Summer, 
which is available on Amazon at the moment, which is getting mm-hmm. a second season. That was brilliant as well. So, so I'm catching up on this and that. And, and wh- I think I just started watching Cheers on um, the second season of that, basically. Uh-huh. And basically, yeah, the first season was like, well, it's great to be a cheerleader. This one's like, one of us is a sexual predator. And another- this one's like, this is the person turned on this one. So yeah, a lot's happened in the two years of that cheerleading competition, which is good docu docu series, which is interesting. If you oh like yeah, I want to watch oh, that because yeah. I watched the first season going, oh my god, I couldn't believe I got into it because I usually don't watch docu series, and then now with what happened with all that, oh my god, what cheerleaders? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. They got really popular. They hit like all the big time, and then it all went to shit. So yeah, it's quite good to watch. It's it's good. I mean, I think I'm on season um, episode six at the moment. So I was watching. I don't know how you find time while I was editing today, sort of thing. (laughs) I mean, that type of stuff you can put on the background because it's it's them competing, and you get to know the different personalities and stuff. So like that is like an easy watch. That's right. Like I got dark shadows on when I'm doing my housework. You know. (laughs) Yeah, I I did when I do my editing. I watch Dark Shadows, but now I'm finished with all 48 episodes that we're doing this month. I thought so, that uh, yeah. I know that's why I was asking you. I'm like, how many episodes do we do this month? Because I'm like, we do fine. So. I'm that enjoying I did, it though. I, I did today. I um, edited eight hours and done the EG Daily interview that's out, which I think everyone should be happy with. Something to listen to. Yeah, Fantastic. listen to it when we get off. Yeah, here. I you saw know, the link that. right before we came on here, so I'll listen to it later on. Oh, that was a good interview, hands down. Anyway, so mm-hmm. I knew it was going to turn out good. She's yeah. an awesome person. Yeah, she and she's fun. sharing it left, right, and center, so she likes it. So that's even a better plus. That's good. That's good. Like it, she's such a sweetheart. Well, this brings us to the 80s, where our first film is Dead and Buried. Now, our two films today will seem like they're a bit different, but they're not really that much different, because Dead and Buried came out in 1981, and of course, The Uninvited. Now, the reason why these two films are jointed is because this is old Hollywood trying to get into the 80s swing of horror. So what you'll notice is Dead and Buried has a a real 1970s kind of feel to it, and Uninvited kind of has that 1970s... Script, script. Well, it has a 1970s script, but as you notice, as um, the studio trying to get into the gore aspect of things, which they weren't really doing at that time. Right. So that's the reason why the two are joined. But first, the film we'll cover is Dead and Buried, which is a 1981 American horror film, which was directed by Gary Sherman. Gary Sherman would also go on to direct Poltergeist 3, which, considering that his main star died in the middle of making that film, he did quite a good job putting that one together. And it's a film starring Melody Anderson, Jack Albertson, which was his last film and James Ferentino is mm-hmm. Albertson's final live action film role because it's death six months after the film's release. The film focuses on a small town where a few tourists are murdered, but their corpses begin to reanimate. With a screenplay written by Dan O'Banion and Ronald Schultzer, the film was initially banned as a video nasty in the UK in the early 1980s, but was later acquitted of the obscenity charges and removed from the def- Director of Public Prosecutor. I like the UK's nasty list. I think that's just so funny. The nasties. Uh, most of the nasty lists in the UK actually were based on video 
covers or video posters. The covers, wasn't it the jackets? The old woman called Mary Whitehouse basically would put things on her list because she didn't like to look at the um, the cover of the video. (laughs) She's like, it's got to be bad. Sounds like a Tipper Gore kind of thing. She used to try and petition for Doctor Who to be taken off the air in, in the 70s. I don't know why it was very but, harmless. I used to... she called it too violent for the kiddies. Um, oh God, man! Period. She clearly hasn't played Grand Theft Auto. yeah, that that was part of, that was part of the video nasties list as well. Grand Theft Auto was another one. That <laughs> of was course, um, one of the scenes. Another thing you have to worry about Mary Whitehouse is basically that she probably hadn't got laid in about fifty years. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dead and Buried, the film made little money at the box office, but was re- but did receive praise from critics regarding Stan Winston's special effects and Albertson's performance. In addition to the film being subsequently novelized by Chelsea Quinn Yatro, the film has attained a cult following in the years since its release. And I have to admit, Dead and Buried is probably one of the best movie posters of all times. Oh, so yeah, we'll do cut to the trailer Absolutely. and we'll be right back to discuss Dead and Buried. By Gary Sherman. This is the road to Potter's Bluff. Maybe you've been there. Clean, picturesque, full of old-fashioned friendliness. The kind of town everyone likes to visit. This is the road to Potter's Bluff. There is no road out. Welcome to Potter's Bluff. From the creators of Alien, terror brought down to Earth, dead and buried. Is there any way whatsoever to reanimate people after they have died? To get them to walk around? That guy, the one you you came to see me about last week, the one that died after the car wreck. Yeah, I just saw him. Man, he's dead. The same guy. Welcome to Potter's Bluff. When you die, you expect to remain dead and buried. I had a very close call. Just lie still. I'm going to give you something. It's going to make you feel even better. When you die in Potter's Bluff, expect the unexpected. Creators of Alien. Dead and buried. It will take your breath away. All of it. Dead and buried. Welcome back to Literary Elections Podcast. We're discussing Dead and Buried from 1981. And Joe, what are your thoughts about Dead and Buried? It is creepy as hell. Um, <laughs> the the uh, <laughs> particularly the scene in the middle of the movie where the uh, uh, the mother, father, and uh, and little boy show up in the town is absolutely creepy. I, I that uh, was weird. That was so I, that is weird. <laughs> like it's. It's a movie that kind of grew on me over time because the first time I saw it, I thought it was kind of slow. And then I saw it again and I liked it a little more. And then last night when I saw it again, it was probably the most I'd ever liked it. Um, and now we know why Grandpa Joe didn't get out of bed for 40 years. You didn't want him to because of the shit he was getting up to. 
Um, <laughs> this this was <laughs> this was really cool. Um, there, there is one interesting thing. Um, it, Dan O'Bannon has a, uh, a a writing credit on this. I was watching. Uh, I was watching the version of it last night on Shutter that was hosted by Joe Bob Briggs, and apparently Dan O'Bannon has uh, denied that he had anything to do with the actual writing of the screenplay. What he says happened is they paid him $10,000 to send them script notes. And he would, uh, he would read the screenplay, give them notes, send it over. And they credited him with writing it because he was just coming off of alien. And they wanted to put his name on there to help get the movie sold. So Uh, apparently he says he did none of the writing on this. Um, but that being said, it's a it's an excellent excellent movie. I, I loved I, it personally. Lo- absolutely I love it. Um, and I started to kind of like Gary Sherman more and more than, in recent years. Uh, so I really liked uh, Deathline, uh, which is uh, also known as Raw Meat, the uh, the cannibals living in the un- the London Underground. Um, I real Poltergeist three, like Keith said, your when your star dies in the middle of it. Um, Lisa is another really good one. Um, but yeah, the, I really love this movie. Um, just the the, 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 kills in this movie, just right from the beginning, the guy on the beach. Um, the, it's just, it's just really eerie. The whole concept of, like, I felt sorry for the guy out. on the beach, man. Talk about yeah. that was some fucked up shit. Well, I mean, I also just think that it's like interesting that it starts out that way. Cause I had never seen this film and I was thinking, well, what is this? Oh, is he going to take advantage of her and all this? And then when the town yeah. just like, you know, put some bed around him and burns him alive. I was like, Jesus, what is happening here? Um, I also like that. I, I didn't know. I didn't really read what this is about. I didn't really know if this was a tale of the body snatchers type of thing, because when suddenly one, one person dies, another one, it's like, they reappear alive. I was like, well, this is interesting because I wasn't sure if this is like alien or if this is magic or what, like, I love that aspect of it. It kept me guessing. Um, it definitely um, wasn't campy to me that much. Like there was there the only the only scene that I think did drive me a little crazy, and it was just to me a little bit maybe bad writing was the scene with the family because who in the hell goes into a house in the middle of the night and you're like and it's yeah. all cobwebby. It's like clearly and you're no one's been in for there. stuff. I need help. I need help. And everything. Yeah, you're like screaming, please help me and all this. And I, I that was the one scene that was a little bit off put. But um I just loved it kept me guessing. And it, even to the end, like it kept me guessing like what is the thing that's keeping this all this town um under its spell. Um right. I love it. Did you guys it. think that fantastic. did you think that um James or uh, uh, Farentino, yeah, yeah, James Farentino. Did yeah, you think he was right. almost too good for the role? What do you like? Mean? What do you mean? Too His good? acting was really. Oh yeah, I, you know, it was really I was super say, good. I think, I think all the acting in this movie is fantastically well done. I think it's yeah, one, I agree. One of the, probably the better acting horror films of the eighties. I mean, a lot of the eighties oh, horror yeah. films that you know you'll notice the acting it doesn't doesn't seem the top of the line that we tend to get in eighties horror films. Yeah. And um, this this has, I mean, everyone, and Melanie Anderson is the wife, is fantastic. The All the character actors playing the townspeople. I mean, yeah. they're faces yeah. that you've seen in plenty of other stuff. Robert before. England. Yeah, <laughs> Robert, Robert England, England yeah. Them. So good. 
He doesn't um, ever I stray love, too far from the original business, does he? I love Janet and that <laughs> monologue that she gives when she's in the church and he the jig is up basically and right. and she's still talking to him and and oh my god that whole scene was fantastic mm. because she kept coming towards him and it was all you could tell it was all like programmed inside of her felt very almost stepford wife coming. it mm. felt very stepford wife to me just the way very she very and just was like oh Edited. honey calm down and oh <laughs> so good now another thing i think you have to remember about dead and buried is that we just this is the 70s 70s is very very raw and during the 70s because the 70s was such a horrible time financially and economically for america at that time and this is before the yup this is before the hippies become the yuppies at the, at the time this is like just the beginning of that which basically would probably ru- would ruin the american fabric as we know it today because that's when all blue collar workers basically lose all their jobs and basically you know america becomes not about manufacturing but because about trading money sort of thing so we're at that cusp here but what we have in dead and buried is basically this if you notice is what was very popular what we loved at this time was we loved how life was before the 70s the waltons was the main thing the 30s and 40s which is dead and buried's main aesthetic is about the you know (laughs) um, post-war america if you look at the way that they're dressed the way that the town's um put together the way that their their fashion designs are and stuff like this, and if it wasn't for the modern cars coming into this town, you wouldn't you wouldn't, you wouldn't know. even know that it was set during the eighties at all. Yeah, sort of thing. And you have that, and so basically, you know, Jack Albertson plays this person who's basically is stuck in the forties, basically, and basically yeah. recreating this town in that forties. So image. evil in this. I mean, He's I don't got think those it's glasses, evil. and it's just like. Oh. God. I don't think he was evil. I think he was just sort of like he Crazy? wanted to now. No, now that like he's saying that he wanted to keep that period, that time the way it was. Right. And he was able to kind of suspend things in time and keep everything monotone too. which if you notice, like you're talking about the fashion, like everything was in gray and white and beige and nothing Anything that came in with color was like the family came in, even the girl that comes in um, the, to the town, like everyone had some sort of color, but then went monotone, very monotone. Because it was very it's like Twilight Zone ish. Yeah, I loved it. Um, Outer limit kind of thing. I, one of my other favorite scenes is just special effects wise when he's building the bo- the person again the one that her head gets smashed in oh and yeah well, oh yeah but they're doing it on the so table amazing that like, was that good. type of special effect was fantastic and I it didn't look cheesy or campy at all it just looked so cool that was that. very cool scene you know it's interesting because I, I didn't even i didn't even connect this until keith just said this a minute ago the movie opens with um a black and white snapshot of the town of, of the, the main street that you see and yeah it it basically is like Keith said, it's, it is kind of frozen in time. That does seem to end up being kind of the theme of the movie. And I didn't even put that together. Uh, still on my well, set, third or fourth viewing now. But even look, at the, film, even look at the way that filmed as far as the film stock is, the film stock used is a very green. Even if you get the Blu-ray, it's a very grainy film stock. It's a very seventies kind of late sixties film stock that they're using. As you think it's purposeful? I think oh, it's very sorry. purposeful. Because yeah. The thing is, is that, even when you get the Blu-ray or they try to clean up, they they they, I they can't clean the film up, sort of thing. Yeah. And it's not right. because it's not because of digitally. It's just the way the film is. It's a bit like when you watch um, 
the French Connection or Serpico or one of those films in the 70s that has that grainy film. And even when you get on Blu-ray, it keeps that, you know, it's, it's not made to have this shiny 80s kind of gloss over it. Because glossy, glossy films in the 80s become very, very glossy, which we'll see in the next film. 80s definitely has a distinctive look. You always know when you see an 80s film or even a 90s film for that matter. <laughs> What decade that movie was made in. You know? well, that's almost any is, movie. But ho- yeah. Hollywood also in the 80s, you have to remember, had to, had to, were covering up a lot of things. They had to make everyone look a lot richer and a lot cleaner and a lot, uh, a different way. Because this is, they, they didn't want, you know, 70s was full of realism. Whether you're looking at TV sitcoms, whether you're looking at Good Times. The Jeffersons are all in the family, and it's all the hell. I mean, no one lived; everyone lived very, very poorly. Uh, movies, Serpico, The French Connection, seventies films, yeah. and stuff like this. Yeah. Then, Be you realistic. know, basically, and then what happens in the eighties is all of a sudden we got we have a new hyper reality of what 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 America and what the world wants to see. They don't want to see real life anymore, so we get things like Dallas, Dallas Dynasty. Dynasty. Yeah, you know, if you notice yeah. your your six all of a sudden it's like every the Cosby. Everyone's very very rich. Everyone's very living in huge homes. Everyone's very very cosmic. Well, the eighties was like what does the saying go? Nothing succeeds like excess or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. And basically, it was basically showing that, you know, society that all of a sudden now we're all middle America, we're all middle class, which is not was, wasn't the case at all at, at that time. Anyway, I mean, basically, it's just, just the facade that that was it was a marketing campaign, basically, that this is what we are sort of thing, even though the, the reality is probably, you know, like most Americans go, oh, I want you know, most people ask me about America and they go, oh, I watch America. I watch Friends and stuff. I go, well, actually, if you want to see real America, you're probably watch more Roseanne. like Roseanne than it is like Friends. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. More people yeah. like Roseanne than there are a bunch of 20-something well, living truth, in a flat that they can't I mean, afford in Friends sort of thing. Well, that's, I mean, when women started watching like Sex in the City and how glamorized, like, first of all, the, it is fantasy. Right. There's no way in hell a struggling writer can afford Manola Blahniks every fucking week to get a pair of shoes. Yeah. Not a chance in hell. $500 and, shoes. Yeah. And then all of them, you know, just their lives. Like you see them doing more things together than like, where, then how are you working? Like, you're know, like, you're always together. How do you work then if you're, you're not, not supposed to think about those things though? But <laughs> women saw that as like, oh my God, it's New York City and that's what New yeah. York City is. And it just that feeling of glamorous living and like, Lo and behold, you come here and you see someone taking a dump on the subway, and you're like, "Oh nope, that's not Sex in the City." Depends on what train you're on. Which neighborhood are you in? Yeah. <laughs> what city? Are you, in? Yeah. you should have been a new And I also think that's probably the reason why Dead and Buried didn't do fantastically well at the box office as well, because the you know the viewing was changing. You also have to look at the pacing of the film as well. Yeah. Um, MTV will start taking off and the pacing starts becoming a bit more fast edited and movie things start moving at a more faster pace. And, you know, as a dead, dead and buried kind of works at its own pace sort of thing. It, it does feel like it's hard to believe it's 1981 because it does feel like a 1977 film. It, I don't know. It yeah. screams eighties to me. I don't know. I don't know. But there was something about every time I turned this movie on, I was like late at night and I kept falling asleep. It's like, damn what's, it. I fell asleep during this movie again. <laughs> well, it's, it's 1981. So it's very early in the eighties. So it's, yeah. It's yeah, but I don't think it seems You know what? It screams seventies to me. I spit on your grave. This just didn't, you know, <laughs> I think, I mean, I get what Keith is saying because you kind of have that, small town you know i'm i'm glad that they didn't take a traditional approach meaning like an actual 
you know, town cul-de-sac that they picked like a coastal town and it made it, it just made it also feel like an island in a way. Like it felt trapped. I felt at times when I'm watching it. It was isolated. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like it was a people were getting lost in this fog of coming to this town. Then they end up there or they're, they're there for mysterious reasons. And you can't really do that to me in a suburb. Like you can't really, you know, put that in there. And that's to me also maybe what made it feel more, um, more seventies and eighties because eighties would have have felt like small, you know, small town. It definitely has supernatural in it. I mean, how was he making these people regenerate? They don't really tell you anything. And why does he kill so many people? Is it because he wants to enlarge his family? Is that what he's doing? I I think he has to in order to, he has to, he has to like create a tragic kill in order for the spell to work. And so that why? Yeah. But I don't think it's, it's like he's in charging and trusting them to do all this. So I'm assuming it started with, it, he said Janet was a first. So it started with yep. Janet and then it went down from there. It was like, well, I can do this to anyone now. Yeah. And so right. he was doing it. And maybe he started with the, the, the town at first and then he ran out of people. And now it was anyone who came into town. We're just going to take them out, you know? And, I don't, and did you guys them. find yourself surprised by everything that happened as this movie went on? Because I didn't see a lot of, I, I didn't see that coming kind of thing. No. I just didn't know it. for me, I didn't know why, the charade of the the sheriff was it because well, he, he didn't know he was dead that was well no but that, but that's uh, my point is at one point is it was it his first time coming into reality that he was dead because right. everyone else at one point kind of the jig was up and i think they were somewhat aware or maybe he was making them aware but for him was it his first instance of reality that oh i'm no longer alive and it was his way of trying to get him to be comfortable with that maybe. And so he put him on a cat and mouse game to get him to get to that point where it's like, Oh, you're dead. You know? And well, I didn't, did, I didn't well, understand didn't that. No, he was dead. And you thought he was a regular officer yeah, the whole movie. Yeah. Well, he no, he didn't know until he saw the film, right? right? He didn't know until right. he saw the film, but I didn't get the whole cat and mouse game that was being played. I didn't with. at all. I yeah. didn't see any of that coming at the I end. I don't know. I kind of thought it was. it was intentionally a cat and mouse game. It might have been they kept him in the dark because when people come in, there's got to be somebody who they can feel is kind of normal. Maybe that's maybe that's it. Well, it wasn't a very big tourist trap. That's for sure. There wasn't. Well, no <laughs> yeah, it mainly be people people passing yeah. through. Yeah, getting gas yeah. was probably passing through is a good thing. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it, it, it was probably a coastal town in Maine, so I mean, I guess. Yeah. You know, most interstates don't go along a coast, really. So I guess it would be if you got off the beaten path. I imagine the town yeah. itself. <laughs> yeah. There's there a whole there lot is... going on in Maine either. There's a little bit of conceit in Jack Albertson's character, too, because he says sometimes that he, he has to kill them because he can make them more beautiful than when they were right. alive. So there is a little yeah. bit of conceit in why he does it. Yeah. Like, uh, this is, well, he says straight up, this is my art. So, yeah. There's a, there's well, a another thing we too. also find out through him as well is that they need him as well because he has to keep touching them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be a real <laughs> phrase. Yeah, it's, like it's like a death becomes her. Like, okay, I need a patchwork. Okay. Right Can you like you fix this? She right a hole through Meryl Streep's stomach. Yeah. <laughs> so good. I love that movie. <laughs> I have to rewatch that movie. I re- I actually recently uh, recently a saw a video movie. about it. I'm like, I really need to watch that again. I haven't seen it since the 90s. It's a yeah. great movie. I love it. Um, and it also felt for some reason it gave me feels of waxwork. 
which I love that movie as well, where just coming into this town where everything is sort of preserved like that way. Um, I think one of the most haunting scenes in it for me is when Melody Anderson just goes, just bury me, just bury me. And she's like trying to cover. Just bury me. Oh my God. I know. And they were, then they all come and they kind of like congratulate him too, which oh, just kept adding, they're giving him flowers. Oh, it was. Oh. I know. It's like, what was that all about? Were they happy they buried her? Or- I think they were happy that he was aware. Like, it's like, you're the only one who's not in on everything, right? So they were happy that he was aware of what he is now or what she well, was. One, oh, no, he wasn't aware then though, right? It was still, no, yeah. Yes. And he, yeah, he wasn't aware until yeah. the very end. So I she mean, had yeah. so, but Melanie was it? Um, what's her name? Janet. Melanie Anderson yeah. or the Janet. Wife, yeah. Well, she well yeah. she knew towards the end that something wasn't right, correct? Because she was telling she him to marry her. The, she knew from the beginning because she she she, did? Mur- she murders James Farentino. Right, she kills him. No, but he end. had her. He had her under his spell. The um the mortician did. So I think it was well, what changed when she died and she said, just please bury me. What changed? I think he kept shooting he her. And then she was like, he got repeatedly shot o- yeah. over and over by the guy that she's, you know, by the guy right. she's married to. And I think that basically, I think that's when, you know, she probably just comes through. Cause the thing is, the question is that this does hark to the simple fact of voodoo Haitians. There's a zombie, there's the zombie drug that they had that right. they basically reanimate the dead. And it's basically about reanimation of the dead, not through science, but more through the black arts. Yeah. Um, so the question basically is, is that I think the townspeople, I think, you know, you're under a spell. And if you, if that spell can be lifted, if the person who's put the spell on your dead reanimated corpse decides to and it seems like with most of the townspeople anyway they seem to be under the control of jack, jack albertson's character and i think but with melanie character or janet's character um she was the first so therefore i think she was more privy to what, what was going on sort of thing yeah. now the thing is what we don't know is that how long has james farentino been reanimated for now he could right. have been reanimated for a couple of weeks for all we know because like I said before, they need to be retouched. So basically, when you're put into put back into your life, because we do see the victim, like the the photographer, now is a, a gas station attendant. Gas station yeah. attendant. Yeah. Now the question basically is, what memory does he have before that, or does he have a memory that he's always been there? Yeah. We don't know that. Well, I and then they would have we, killed him off in a better well, way, though. The the only other one too, which was it was interesting, was they killed the doctor. And yeah. so was he one of the last yeah. of the town? Because up until he must that point, have been because he was yeah, alive. up until that point, everyone else was being were strangers that were coming into the town. So that was like well, how many uh, people died thing first? Is, is that if everyone in the town is reanimated, maybe he was, you know, what once all the humans are dead and they're now reanimated, question is, do you need a doctor anymore? Yeah. So the doctor, the doctor would be the last person you need you would basically need in your town because there's no yeah, one alive to get dead. sick anymore. So yeah. once you get rid of colds and flus and all the other stuff, you don't really need a doctor there anymore. So it yeah. could be a, he got a bit too close to the truth, but it seemed like, you know, it, it seemed like basically everyone was a pawn on this chessboard. And basically the God is Albertson's character, basically. Yeah. 
And so I would sit there. And now another thing is, was Albertson killing people all the time? Probably not. I imagine. Well, who's going to fix him doing... up? He's dead. Well, no, I, I mean, he, will... he fixed himself up. No, yeah. he was gobbing on lipstick and stuff like that. It's just like, well, this isn't going to end well. Oh, boy. It's a bit like well, um, no, didn't he embalm himself? himself? <laughs> like he shoved, he, he shoved him in his yeah, yeah. He, he embalmed, embalmed himself. himself and he brought himself. He's good. Back. He's bringing himself back. <laughs> Talk but, about multitasking. You know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's also what gave him more power because up until that point, I think if you notice when he gets shot by um, by Sheriff Dan, that's when everyone starts to crack and there's they're you could see they're now falling apart, right? So maybe his mortal body is what keeping him from keeping them like the way they are. So because then when he comes back, he's fine again. So he's literally patched himself up and he's like, see, I needed you to do that. So now he's even more powerful because he's an undead basically, you know? Well, we also saw the young guy as well uh, touching himself up as well. Yeah. yeah oh, that's the, right. I was wondering what he was doing. In. I didn't catch that. I didn't. <laughs> you know. Now, I I imagine probably you know as I kind of see the as I see the reason why they were killing tourists. I don't think they were killing every tourist that came through. I think basically from, from what I've from repeat viewing is that basically the older people that died as they were dying, he was reanimating them anyway. Yeah. So basically, they weren't being murdered, and as the townspeople were dying, they probably were being reanimated. I imagine that when like the gas, you know, the photographer becomes the gas station person and different key roles within the town. Now, the thing is, you have to keep a town running and a team working, a town working. And I imagine that maybe the, the gas station person previously basically might have died out of town or basically is that they tried to bring him back, but maybe he didn't come back successfully. So they had to replace this person because you need you need this role in your town sort of thing. So maybe that's the reason why they were killing some of the tourists coming through because they needed someone to replace something that someone that didn't come back as they planned or yeah. was missing or whatever to replace vital members of your community, quote unquote. Yeah. So that's how I kind of looked at it. Yes. Yeah. Like in chess, you know, where the, where a pawn can become a queen or another piece, like, you know, and it's like, well, I also think he didn't bring some of them back. Cause like, remember the older woman that he was working on? He, I, I didn't see her. So I think some, he was like, I'm not, I'm going to give you that piece. Cause you live too long. You're good. Yeah. Like you don't need to like, you know, or does he bring her back later on? Which went outside the sheriff knowing sort of thing. Yeah. You know, Sort of thing. I mean, you know, I don't know how how many reanimated corpses need piano lessons because she was a piano teacher. But <laughs> who knows? Maybe need any plasters in that town? Because I mean, I could always reanimate myself and you know, kind of. Well, the the question basically also is: Is that the kids are the kids reanimated? Are because the, I mean, he does kill the family and yeah. No, they got away, didn't they? Uh, no, they, no, they drove off a cliff. They drove off a cliff. They died. So. Yeah, because remember the kid, the kid, the redhead was there with them at the cemetery. So the family was there. Oh, that's right. Okay. So that means that the kids are reanimated. So now we have a classic town with kids who are never going to age. Right. Okay. Because of one kid, there was only one kid in that entire film. Most of them were teenagers, remember? And one of my other favorite scenes is when Dobbs is like, 
oh hey sheriff are you looking for whatever the kid whatever his assistance is like his marijuana <laughs> like it's, it's yeah. behind him it's all yeah. just joshing him i love that it's cute i love the banter yeah, right at the beginning, yeah. well the thing is you say that but you have to remember we do visit um janet's classroom where janet's giving a course on witchcraft right and that's cool. That's right. Yeah. What about the police secretary? Was that, by the way, that was do? such a normal lecture. By the way, yeah, it was <laughs> like, like oh, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like when um, in, in the Wicker Man, you know, when uh, the policeman comes into the classroom and they're teaching all this like paganism, you know, whatever, and uh, it's like you know, you teach this to the children, this kind of thing, you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's kind of normal, you know, <laughs> from Newcastle, but, but a great way to do exposition, by the way, because they didn't have that. It was a natural way of like explaining the dark arts and everything. Yeah. Well, I also, I think, you find that, I think you find that in every horror film anyway, when there's a classroom, it, the, the time that all the murders are happening or something really horrible is happening in this town. That's the one time the teacher's like teaching, like, you know, the ghost of Macbeth, like you get in um, a nightmare on Elm Street. It's like, Oh, this is, <laughs> like, or, or, or um, I think we get in like Halloween when Laurie Stroud sit in a classroom and you talk about, and when strangers come back to visit a town and they need to seek revenge, and you're like, okay, yeah. well, this is quite good that you're teaching this at <laughs> the end of that time. This is happening. <laughs> <laughs> what about the, what is it, Betty? Is, was Betty the, uh, the, 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 the police secretary? Was it Estelle Omens? I, was, I, was, I think the whole town basically is. Re- Betty was like the only one that knew what was going on, though. We do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, I think that, you know, I think that's probably the genius. If you're going to reanimate a whole town using voodoo or whatever courses that you're using, then you want, you know, the thing is, you don't want your character to be perfect because if they're too perfect, your things are a bit weird. It's a bit like right. the. Um, you want people you want people a bit off kilter odd personalities running around otherwise your town's going to come up, stick out like a sore thumb you right. get like these odd things creature people running around true, you got true. more of a society than you have disneyland you don't want a disneyland off the wall yeah yeah not so manufactured <laughs> but may but maybe she's re- maybe the reason why she's all over the place basically is but then again she could be playing a role as well because you know you know oh i you know i put that on your desk since you see that on your desk but maybe she didn't you know maybe this is to get him into the realization that maybe this is all a game to get but him I to thought, realize exactly i what thought i thought zombies didn't have free will you know i thought that was the whole basic premise of i think it depends zombies. if you're talking about haitian zombies or you're talking about george romero zombies Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Asian oh, zombies. Um, Asian zombies. Which, um, yeah. Craven did cover in a film about about the voodoo powder drug in the eighties. Oh, the serpent in the rain. Say, they're more. They're more like big giant voodoo dolls. That's what they are. They're not zombies. Right. They're meant to be uh, golems in a way, like to be able to yeah. control and move. And yeah. Okay. I guess when they're reanimated, I guess he's programming them at the same time about exactly what their role is and who their what their personality is. Or, well, that's I don't. The thing- yeah, he says in there that he the only memories they have are the memories he gives them. Right. So he's he's programming them to be exactly what he needs them to be in this town. With the exception of Janet. So he kind of gave her a little bit of free will because he, she was a first. So for I guess he had some endearing or she well, had it was endearing a, quality. She was his favorite, but he decided to give her to Officer Dan. Well, no, she was a first though too because her car crashed, and I think that's where it started yeah. with her. 
when he realized. And, he and, and I do, I do say, I do remember him saying something like a couple months ago. So there is a time of how right. much this time mm-hmm. has passed, and so two months or three months that this has all happened. Because this know? looks like this has been going on for years, almost. You know. Yeah. Another thing is you don't know how much of it's like facsimile as well. It's like you know when you have the uh, facsimile, and basically you ran off, and your first copy is the best, but then as you go on, they get they get weaker and weaker. Yeah. Yeah. What would be interesting is he got fired for doing Dobbs got fired for doing something somewhere else and he moved to this town. So it would be interesting if they ever did like a prequel. Well, he was messing with corpses in the town before. Well, that's what I mean. What if he did, he had to start somewhere else and it kind of like blew up in his face and he's like, time to move. (laughs) You gotta go to a small town. What a busy little bee he's been. He was. Give me those glasses though. What is it? Very classy. I have to say him playing his music in his in his uh hearse when he's driving up. I was like, oh here comes Dobbs. And he's playing the music. It was so good. I mean another thing you have to remember that you know it's another film that once you watch it and then you start reflecting on it, the question is that when you see it, first see Dobbs and the way everyone in town is talking to Dobbs, is like he always existed in this town. It's only as Florence, uh, James Florentino's character starts investigating more in it, and then basically comes up that Dobbs hasn't been in the town that as long as he remembers. So you also have that as well, that basically, yeah. you know, that you're under the impression that everything's this way, but then as he starts unraveling this mystery, you kind of find out that basically everything that you thought that you knew, you don't really know because, mm. you know, James Ferentino realized that Dobbs, you know, when he mentioned Dobbs, Dobbs has always been in town. There's, yeah. there's never been another, you know, mortician in this town except for Dobbs. Yeah. And we later find out past movie where basically he gets a, you know, some information through that basically, oh, Dobbs hasn't always been in this town. What's going yeah. on here? Well, not only that, as the relationships, did he build those relationships, too? So if he's implanting memories, he can be like, oh, you are friends with this person. You're married to this person. You really had nothing to do with him. Like, basically, <laughs> he could literally reprogram you and say, this is your new role, right? So you would, if you become aware, I'm thinking you would say, wow, I don't even know what's my real world. Like, what's my reality? I think that's why he shoots him, because he's now... Um, Dan's reality is completely blown. Like, is his wife not only alive or dead? Is it his wife? Is it, you know, I think it's just, you know, well, he... Also, I think that he also, he, I mean, I don't think Dan's um, personality or everything's found out because he's solving a case. I think basically that they're giving him information to make himself his own case. I mean, why but does? Why, why though? Does, what was the purpose? To I do didn't all understand this that either. I didn't understand the cat and mouse I, I part of it. I think because basically, at some point, he you need he needs to come to the realization of what he is. And the thing is, is maybe he does this with all the townspeople, sort of thing. That maybe you have to let them figure it out because if you give, you don't want information overload, and you yeah. need to have acceptability to so make sure that someone works at their whole capacity, and you're going to have control of them. You got to have. It's like you if you you cannot hypnotize the person who does not want to be hypnotized. Yeah. You have to make sure that they have they're able to have some acceptability to it. So basically, wow, in order for him, you know, every two or three months and t- you know, touch up times going to come for good old Sheriff Dan here. Because yeah. if you look at the way the way the film is structured, sort of thing is that you know it's kind of like you know why did the, why first of all why did the first corpse need to be found in that sort of why didn't they just take him away to be reanimated no one would have been the wiser yeah. Yeah. but no we need to have this mystery sort of thing 
why is it important that he gets this bit of film that the students apparently have been working their hard, you know, their time on? Yeah. Why does he need to have it developed when you know when the we know that he needs to see this film anyway? Yeah. Why do you, you know? And if you look at the way things are in the film and the way that it unfolds, he's basically on this destiny plan that he can't get off of, sort of thing. And everything, I think, everything's pre-planned for him. And then, okay. and then at the end, by the end of it, you know, basically, like you know, he's trying to dig his wife back into her grave and trying to dig her out, and his hands get ruined. By that time, he's come to realization of what he is, and of course, he goes, "Oh, you know," and that's where we get the ending of it. Yeah. There's this thing called eschatoma, you know, where you only see what you want to see. Yeah. And it seems, to, it seems to go through, the, there's a thread that goes through the movie like that. And uh, I was thinking about that, like, it's quite interesting, like, you know, I think, uh, get this, this is another theory where, um, like, the whole world's already gone and it's just our ego that keeps us locked into this scenario, you know. So it's almost like we just create other people to, uh, basically a soundboard to kind of talk out of ideas now you know so you invent all these scenarios maybe in a sense that that's what the zombie thing is the guy's got somebody who are compliant but only to a certain point yeah well imagine by the way having everyone sort of be compliant you want someone to kind of poke around to make them feel alive like imagine if you're the only one alive and you're like Okay, everyone is like, hey, Mr. Dobbs, how are you? Hey, Mr. Dobbs, how are you? And it's like, oh, crap, I want something. And he uses him as a way of, okay, I'm going to use you, you know, because he is a detective. So in a way, it's like he he is going to put him on a mission to solve something. And it gives him something to do. Oh, wait, you got a murder? Oh, okay, let's go on a trip. You know, so it's, it's like... Is he creating his own entertainment? That's what I was also thinking. What about Lisa Blount? Is she was she pigeonholed into a certain a certain characterization back in the eighties or what? You know, she's always playing the bad, sexy girl. You know, she was quite sad because um, she commits suicide in real life about six years after this. Did she really? She. If anyone was ever redo this film, I immediately thought of um, what's her name from. Plays Harley Quinn. She looks so much. Oh my god! It's yes. driving me crazy. Uh, um, uh, oh. oh god! Let me look. It's going to drive me nuts. Yes. Uh, Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving. He was in uh, the Wolf of Wall Street. Yes. Um, yeah. I I Margot Robbie. Mar- Margot Robbie. So if oh, Margot, Margot Robbie ever played, Robbie. she looked just like her. And every time I was seeing the scenes, yeah, I was like, "This looks like Margot Robbie." And yeah. she's kind of the badass, sexy girl now. Yeah. <laughs> Harley Quinn. Yeah. yeah. I love I love Harley Quinn. Did Mr. Blount die like like many years after this? Like uh, six years? I I thought she was. I thought she was at least until the night. That's sad. That's really sad. It came across my feed the other day. She died October twenty fifth, twenty ten. Oh, it's 2010. Okay. Amazon's got it like nineteen eighty nine or something because I was watching it on Amazon. You know when they kept you can put the thing on where it comes up with like all this tidbit information. Was that Amazon B? Amazon.com. Amazon. At least these zombies were, you know, halfway decent looking. They weren't, you know, yeah, walking right. dead-ish or... Well, they had big hair, so they all looked like they were in Duran Duran. So they were okay, you know. I mean, it's nice Durant. to have good-looking zombies. <laughs> <laughs> they were good-looking zombies.
So um, let's on a scale of one to five, how many stars would you give Dead and Buried? Starting with you, Craig, how many stars would you give Dead and Buried? Um, I'll give it uh, a four, uh, four zombies out of five. Um, and I like the, uh, I like the fact that when they were filming, it was, they used like the real weather conditions of the area in May. Uh-huh. Like there wasn't, they just, it was a lot of foggy days. Um, and it was a genuinely like creepy, <laughs> creepy movie, very gory. And, um, I agree with what John said about the, the, um, when, when he was rebuilding the corpse, I mean, it, it looked like it was beautiful. The, um, this, the skin and the shine and everything. It was just really cool. And, um, no blemishes. <laughs> <laughs> no blemishes. <laughs> and what about yourself, so, David? How many stars did you give it? Yeah, I'm re- actually uh, recalling it now, and we're, we're, now that we've all been talking about it, and you, you pick, but what, what, a, what a way to start a movie, you know? <laughs> I'll never become a sort of fashion photographer ever. <laughs> no. But uh, give it a four, like Craig, you know, because it was good, and Potter's Bluff. Hmm. Yeah, I think a, I think a four out of five zombie. I'm a zombie. Four out of five zombies. Four out of five definitely good-looking zombies. Yeah. And what about yourself, John? How many stars would you give this? I'm going to give it four stiff ones because um, it was <laughs> fun. It was really fun. I, what I think I loved the most about it was <laughs> the mystery to it, as well as I love that small town something is just off and feels off and you don't know what it is i love that feeling and that carries throughout the film what where you lose me if was one of them was that family if they just took that family scene out i think it would have been a perfect movie it just went from really good writing to what the hell is this like the writing was just so bad in that one scene that i was like why are they what walking the around looking for a fucking fuse box? <laughs> well, even the kid, the kid hits a backseat of a car and he's hurt. Seriously? I was like, why? This is one of those moments in parenting that people should just realize that when your kid falls or they hit something, if you react, they react. Exactly. So they just hey, this kid, right. they would have been fine. And it was, so that made me, that whole scene was like such a, there, there's a different way to get there. So you would have got five out of me if you would have removed that yeah. scene. I mean, it didn't help that he was a bit gingery either. So the gingers alone. <laughs> the way the cookie zombie crumbles. Where they go? Well, the greater good. Yeah. How many stars do you give it, Joe? It's it's odd. I, I also give it four, but it's odd because I'm on the opposite side of John because that scene is actually my favorite scene because maybe it's because <laughs> I'm an old I, I, I'm an old school horror guy and it's just everything about that was atmospheric and creepy and yeah it didn't make a lot of sense but a lot of a lot of movies a lot of horror movies that I that I love are kind of short on logic but uh, it, it remind it, you know it's it's everything that I love about horror movies or just that that kind of eerie atmosphere I absolutely adore it that definitely about. eerie. Yeah. Yeah, um, it. it's it's something to love, you know. Yeah, it didn't make sense uh, that that scene, but God, I love this. Um, I, I love I love that scene, and yeah, four four stars for me because it was it was eerie and it's it's creepy, Grandpa Joe. You know, it's <laughs> it, it, he it's, is it's creepy. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you, you like, like I said earlier, might be one of those movies where like the first time you watch it, if you go in expecting one thing, like. 
understand the pacing of this. It's going to be a slow paced movie. It's a slow burn, but it's absolutely worth it. And the more attention you pay to it, the, the more it pays off. I feel like, so I, yeah, four, four stars out of five. It's not perfect, but it's very, very it's not good. Perfect. That's good. <laughs> what about yourself, Vix? Well, it's a good movie. It was like, I kept falling asleep here. So I was telling Keith last week, it's like, God, I go, I kept trying to watch this movie. I keep falling asleep. He goes, well, stop eating edibles while you're watching it. So I'll have to give it four out of five edibles. (laughs) (laughs) I finally got through it and I loved it. (laughs) Got to drink more Horlicks, Vicky. (laughs) She's like, she's like, wait, they all died. Now they're back again. What the hell is going on? That's it. I've got it now. I figured it. Yeah. You give the Horlicks to the zombies. I thought that the acting was great for, it's one of the few horror movies where the acting was really, really I think Craig's become a zombie. That's why I thought that maybe, you know, James Carradino was almost too good for the part. You know, he was he's such a great actor. It's a but, great night owl movie because I'm a night owl. I go yeah. to bed at like four or five in the morning. This is the kind of movie that works best if you're watching it like one, two, three a.m. Yeah, and you can't yeah. get. But to sleep, if you're yeah. a normal human being, you'd already be asleep. <laughs> so your body's <laughs> checking out on you. Me, I'm up. I'm up and ready at one a.m. So I'm throwing this movie on at one a.m. like it's nothing. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the mystery kept me going because there are some movies that we've we've. Well, I didn't expect viewed. a lot of what what was going to happen, like the ending. I never saw that coming. Yeah. That's why I love this movie so much. Good. I did was- not see that coming at all. Well, I'm going to give this four and a half because it's one of those movies that a lot, a lot of people have seen. I sit there and say I have the movie poster because I think it's one of the best movie posters of all times. It's a nice, it's a very cool poster. It's so iconic for me. Um, and to be honest, that's one of the reasons why I watched the movie because there's that poster with the the, the stone head on the pa- you know on the um, coming out yes. of the ground sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I love it because I love the atmosphere. I love the slow burn of it. I love the guessing of it. Every time I watch it, I learn something new from it. And the acting is fantastic. And for me, it's just there's very few films that kind of, you know, this is up there with me, like with the changeling is for me or, you know, or the omen. It or... kind of belongs in the changeling category, kind of sort of some of these movies, like the changeling is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. And it's one of those movies that could have been done so cheaply and so cheesy and so badly, but this, but it, 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 it you know, because if you, you know, if when you read the stuff on the back of the box, it should be very, but it did they have to put the needle to the guy's good, only really. eye? Oh, dude, that was horrible. The needle to the eyeball—that's why it, it lacks one edible. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I never look through keyholes anymore, Vicky. You know, you know somebody oh, to show you that, it's, it's that needle through the eyeball that really. Yeah. That messes. I hate because eyeball because scenes. Like it, I do like too. And I have to Jason, say that is done so well because the eye is moving around when that when that needle's going in. You're like. They've done yeah. a good job there. I know. That's so cringe. It's so Apparently cringe. Stan Winston was especially proud of that effect. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he has one eye and they have to stick yeah. a needle in his yeah, eyeball. Yeah, come on. You know, flip it out. Give the guy a chance. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like that scene in, I think it was. Um, I felt sorry uh, for that poor bastard for the whole movie. He, he, suffers. he was upside down in the car. I was not oh, expecting him to be alive either. That was another scene that got me. When oh, and then and then you could see his teeth. Oh my and god! One eyeball. I don't mind a snowball, but not the eyeball. Man. Not Come the on. eyeball. No. Yeah. I have to say when he was all wrapped up before he got the 
the needle in the eyeball. eyeball. He kind of looked like a looked like Pac Man there for a little while. <laughs> I mean, this is this is another uh, another hey, actually, yeah, how good this movie is. We're trying to wrap it up, and we keep remembering more stuff we it's love. About. Little, yeah, it's yeah, an excellent yeah. film. Actually, it really uh, is. I'm, it I'm just see. won't stay dead. We keep burying yeah. it and burying it. It keeps coming <laughs> dead, back. Buried, coming back. Buried, That's okay, a zombie film, but yeah. Because no I've got no something more. in the eye. Yeah. I've got something in my eyes. This brings us to our next film, The Uninvited, which is a 1987 American science fiction horror film written, produced, and directed by Graydon Clark. And starring George Kennedy, Alex Cord, Clue Gulliver, Tony Hudson, and Eric Larson. The film primarily takes place aboard a luxury yacht owned by a criminal multimillionaire and bound for the Cayman Islands, whose passengers and crew are terrorized by a mutant cat. Now, we're basically dead and buried kind of as an old-to-old film movie making. This is kind of something where basically the film has somehow stayed what probably would have been better suited for a 1970s film than a 1987 film. But what we'll do is come to the trailer and be right back to discuss The Uninvited from 1987. They say cats have nine lives. You have only one. A poisonous cat. Now, how's that possible? You're gonna be richer than your wildest dreams! George Kennedy and Alex Cord. You'll never look at a cat in the same way again. Welcome back, and we're discussing The Uninvited from 1987. And let's go with John. What are your thoughts of The Uninvited? I, um, it's funny. I, I think when I first started watching this, I was, I had a hard time with the cat and the metamorphosis that <laughs> it goes through because I was like, oh my God, this is such a bad, bad puppet sock for a cat. <laughs> I was just like, what is happening? Um, it's fun. It's meant to be like so yeah. just like you just can't take any of it serious. Like from the very start to the end, you just kind of have to have fun with it. And, Enjoy all of its like glory of eighties 
faux pas. It is so eighties. It's not even funny. You know, it is the, the whole looking the at the girls and it moved, you know, the camera moves up in their body, up and down the body. <laughs> I was laughing. You're just going, <laughs> you have oh, to God, have the one, 80s. You have to have the closet pervert on the boat, of course. There's always Correct. one rapist around. Yeah. yeah. Or the goons, <laughs> like you got the dumb goon and you have the smart, you know, like, you know, the, 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 um, like the yeah, muscles. I, yeah, the muscles and you have the dumb goon, you know, the cues. Yeah. But I, I love that. I mean, it gets, it's one of those films, like I said, like I, you kind of just have to take all of the camp and have fun with it and just be like, this is so silly. And, you know, one of my, <laughs> the scene that I thought I think I was the, the best was her eating the bread. I don't know why. Yes. I don't know hilarious. why. It is just one of these scenes, like, what the hell? And she's just like, I, you can't take and keep the food for me. And she's eating the food. I know. And I was like, like, she kind of oh. lost it there for a little yeah. bit, didn't she? She but had scurvy, did I'm assuming. The cat got in there? That's right. Yeah, the cat got in the pantry. I mean, you could tell the cat had ate the, the bread. So the guy was like, Before it's contaminated. Before further with the cat, is the cat, like, coming out of the orange cat's mouth? Or yes. Just- yes. And 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 it can it, it, I think it's like a symbiotic thing because it he got like at one twin? point completely comes out of it and okay. attacks someone and then goes back inside of it and then the eyes come back alive so it's like a weird symbiotic thing. <laughs> it's just a messed up movie. I have to then it's say it's when they see some the, point they the find movie the cat's collar. where it's done very well at times. It is. Yeah. It's done really well. And you're like. You know, the goal, they did that really well. And then there are other times where basically you can tell that it's basically a puppet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, like yeah. The, the attack on the uh, the two guys in the pickup truck. Like uh, that one, it's like, holy shit, this looks awful. My favorite too is when somebody's head When he's biting the ankle of the guy and like rips his leg. Oh, I, was I like, know. That cat, yeah. man, oh, oh, must have like razor yeah. teeth. Wasn't that Lord Kennedy that was, he was, he was chewing his Yes. Academy Award winning actor George Kennedy. George Kennedy. I don't like him. Who also did Naked Gun. I mean, come on. The Naked Gun was Oscar worthy. Well, I say, I'm, I'm sorry, but if you if you're a child, especially in America in the 60s, 70s, 80s, George Kennedy is like your god sort of thing because you yeah, see all right. everything. There's not a he was, know, wasn't he? He was in. I mean, he's TV such a staple. Movies. He was in theatrical yeah. films. He was in Love Boat and Fantasy Island. He would appear in, or he yeah. just appear in any random stuff. And George Kennedy. Yeah, he just basically, you know, part part of your life sort of thing. Yeah. Well, he never said no to anything, it seems. And you know what? I, I have respect for actors like that. It's just like, no, you know what? I'm just going to keep working because fucking yeah. man, gonna, this is this is what I wanted to do my whole life. I'm not going to turn anything down. This is yeah, the fun. Cop, the cop It'll probably be- had a gun to his head anyway. Like, you know, you will make this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He was I in mean, love with Hugh Gallagher is in this yeah. film as well. You guys have to to him as well. I mean, it was catastrophic. It really was. Like, you know. <laughs> the, the thing I want to know is who the fuck hires geriatric muscle? Yeah, like, like you, you want you want your go- your hired goons to be over sixty for some reason? Yeah, yeah that's a point. Yeah. <laughs> Equal opportunity <laughs> employer, yeah. Joe. <laughs> 
on, on available. <laughs> but, but then again, this is from the we were talking about the same film where these girls show up in like these ripped up t-shirts yeah. and a bikini yeah. showing up this like a really. I don't like, think we're dressed for dinner. It's just like, why did they portray women? I don't know what was it pieces that first portrayed women as stupid, skanky yes. college co-eds, no, or was that going out way before no, that? I think that's. I think that's. <laughs> I think that's happened since Eve. <laughs> and the wrestler, the wrestler had a love bite. No wonder when you go yeah. traveling abroad, everybody thinks you're going to put out. I mean, it's these movies. Yeah. Everybody thinks American women are just slut buckets. But it's funny because in the beginning of that, in the beginning of that, the one seemed worse than the other, and then by the end, you realize they both were just as bad as the other. It was like, oh, you know, we're totally going to manipulate this guy, and but everyone was using each other. That's what was very yeah. interesting. Was like they were using good. him. The well, jocks. They picked these guys up they weren't even supposed to be on the boat and then you got them all in the kitchen and they make sure they unbutton their shirts yeah well because again think about this a, i mean the a, guys rich, a rich older point. guy invites you on his cruise right and you really right. don't want to go but hey yeah. it's free and free meal He's got right money but yeah, these free it's these for me guys yeah. right we want <laughs> them to come because we can hook up with them and then yeah. the cute guys are like well, the 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 one guy was more interested in the bill, you know, millionaire, billionaire, whatever you want to call him, more interested in him than the girls because he was like, oh, I can make money, so I want to know yeah. what he's doing. So everyone was just using each other. That's the whole yeah. point of the. Yeah. I also thought that these bimbo girls. I mean, let's face it; I mean, <laughs> they couldn't even cook. Yeah, <laughs> like the guys that they weren't even proper sailors. And by the way, they had the most outfit changes because I noticed this in the beginning of the film that the one, the henchman guys and the main guy all were wearing the same clothes for like three days. Same clothes. Like, yeah. And I was like, what, do you not have a change of clothes? And then yeah. at one point I was like, oh, now they finally get to let them change clothes on the, <laughs> when they're on the yacht. They didn't even come on with suitcases full of clothes. Cool. Yeah. That's all they wore. They would change that. Bikinis. I'm trying to figure out whether they were actresses <laughs> pretending to act horribly to make it look brilliant or they were really horrible actresses and it looked brilliant anyway because it was a campy B movie. Yeah, but that was, <laughs> was not lot- any the, the acting. There was not a lot of tit action going on in the this woman movie, plays, I'll put that plays. <laughs> the, the woman who plays Suzanne, the uh, the blonde of the uh, Jerry the, the blonde of the two. Uh, yes, she's in a ton of B movies. So she yeah. was she was a real B movie actress because she was in a lot of stuff in the uh, the eighties and nineties. Yes, she I remember was. seeing a lot. And I, I'm the kind of guy that was watching the the shitty low budget. Uh, horror movie that comes on at Cinemax at 3 a.m. So I've seen a lot of her. Well, that's all of us. We all do the same thing. But yeah, yeah she was she was in quite a few movies. I recognized her face. Yeah, she's I think those gotta be those gotta be like movie. fun roles to play versus like very serious roles. Of well, like I wonder what this. Like... I wonder what the screen this the screen um, audition was like. You know. <laughs> Do no, we want you to do some. We want you to do some aerobics. And here, put this on. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so perfect. Like, well, you're good. You're you right. to, okay, you're no, good. Basically, go. <laughs> basically, what they needed for this movie was tits and ass, and they had both. Yeah. And so they got you're hired. And if you're, if you're I imagine there's a lot the like the auditions in Showgirls. Yeah. Here, rub some ice on those. And wait, are you allergic to cats? Okay, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But even the cat had a wet t-shirt, you know, come on. Yeah. When they're bringing the cat on board, 
That cat does not want to be there. When she's got when she's got no. the cat in her arms in the bikini, I'm like, yeah, that's so like water. I know, by the way, what crazy person just picks up a stray cat and is like, here, yeah. kitty, kitty, I'm going to take you on this cruise. With I'm like, what? Well, well wait, that, wait just a minute. Insane? It's not just a stray cat. It's a pedigree yeah. stray cat. No, it's <laughs> a cat. No, but then the cat is like sleeping in her room. No, it's, like, like, what? No, no, it's a cat that escaped from a Wuhan lab is what it yeah. is. That's what well, who? It's a pedigree cat as well. It's like one of the main COVID cat. cat. Going, okay. It's a Who COVID cat. Doing... That's right. Who's doing experiments on a squirmy cat in a fucking o- with an open door? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, somebody who doesn't know how to abuse animals, clearly. Yeah. Why would you leave the door open? The cat just yeah. scurries right out. You got to Yeah, that's right. It. And them guys uh, couldn't shoot it, you know, it's unreal. Here's a question. We have, okay, we have a ginger cat, ginger Maine Coon cat, very big, all the way through the movie. He arrives in the Caribbean and all of a sudden it becomes a black cat. How did that happen? Yeah, how did that happen with so black? My theory, my theory is that it no longer needed that shell anymore. Uh-huh. And the black cat that was inside of it came out and that's its new metamorphosis. Is and then there could be, into? yeah. And then it could be, there's something else growing inside it. So it's like, it has to change its, its skin. It's it basically the, to camouflage. Yeah, like a, yeah. You mean it had like exactly. dolls. Yeah. I thought it had a catalog, a catalog of personalities. I think catalog of personalities. <laughs> oh dear me! Sorry. <laughs> or, I, or for me, or I thought the reason why that happened is because they ha- they were too cheap to afford cargo shipping on the cat to bring him to a location shop. It <laughs> so could be, and then yet <laughs> use the local black cat. And then once again, some stupid person comes along and goes, "Hey, stray cat! I'm gonna pick it up." The little kid picks it up. I'm like, "Why? What? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> or Why'd you do that?" Or the cat used the money that was in the briefcase to have to get some work done and turn into a completely different cat. Ah, yeah. right. They have all that money. You basically, got to take this movie for what mind. it is. It's a fun <laughs> film, yeah. though. It was a lot of fun watching. Oh my god! Definitely. Yeah, dumb. It's definitely it so one dumb. for edibles. You got to watch and it with edibles. The IRS. Bro. <laughs> the IRS. Yeah. The- <laughs> She's like, wait, there's a cat in the film? What? <laughs> Every cat in the film. Everything terrible like Craig said it was the, the a cat named Bob. Yeah, cat named Bob. Oh, yeah, street cat named Bob. Yeah, street, <laughs> the street cat also, named Bob. I also love that they, you know, put that romance in there. You know, the geeky guy who falls <laughs> for the girl. And, and, like, you know... They get away and they're on their little. Well, they're boats, trying to get away and they're getting away. And oh no, not yet. No. <laughs> and I, the first time, fine. Second time, I was like, "Come on!" The it's cat's not over trying yet. to get on the boat. Then they throw. What did they throw it? They threw it. They threw it. That they uh, threw this. They threw case. one of the briefcases. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. they took the money out first. Yeah, they took the money out yeah. Put it in the bag. But I, I love how he's like, "It's not over yet." <laughs> Like, really? God, <laughs> jumping back on them. It's not yeah. over yet. And how do you not get like scratched at all, like through that whole process? You know, this movie is up there with Night of the Lepuses. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. And I remember that was that was the uh, that was the message I saw from you last week when you were watching. You're like, this this is reminding me of Night of the Lepuses. I'm like, yes, that's exactly what this Night is. Night of the Lepuses. Everything that's terrible about this movie is the reason it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I love that movie with the rabbit, especially when it starts killing everybody at that drive in. And all these people start opening up with guns and killing all the rabbits. <laughs> and oh, they're bullshit. all like, I just love that movie. It's brilliant. I don't know why I love it. I just do. 
And you love it because it's so bad. (laughs) I think what we also have to look at, though, basically, we have a film that now we just add the budget, how much it costs to make this movie, which is $200,000. And for $200,000, they did a pretty good job. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Let's face it. I mean, we, I we've seen films that they spent over a million pounds, and the special effects have been a lot worse than this. <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. Well, and I think it only got to the end where the boat was capsizing, where they use like a little model and stuff. But like, it's so then, oh yeah, I know oh. it's so obvious. Um, but the fact that they had the boat and the way it was shot it was and everything, shot like, you're right for that amount of budget. Yeah, I mean, I technically they didn't have to pay for a lead actor, so the cat was like. <laughs> Lead you have no lines, you have no dialogue. For that matter, because nobody was dressed the whole time, basically, they were making this True. movie. So when it says costumes, it always cracks me up. What you do, go to Target, grab some shorts and tank tops. You imagine and they're like going down the line item list of budget. Yeah. They're like, Clarence, wardrobe, no. Um, lead actor, no. <laughs> I wonder if the reason that the, that the, the, the creature goes back into the regular cat is because it's cheaper to just shoot a regular cat running around. Uh, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. Whereas yeah. if it was constantly the creature, you'd have to constantly film that creature, and you'd have to have puppeteers and stuff. It was the <laughs> fastest, quick-changing cat in the world. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> um, I well, don't think it went on surprising for a film of this ilk is that basically that though the girls are running around scantily clad, they're yeah. basically clothed. There's yeah. not a lot of tit going on in this movie. No. Yeah, no. not really. No. Yeah, I don't you remember one, any. <laughs> yeah, and basically you get you get one small grunt during the during the um love making scene, which is basically Oh yeah. But it's basically like a, it wasn't really that much on, of a basically scene. Breast, pressed against his chest and that's it. Yeah. 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 It's considering that normally in films of this ilk, normally you would at least have like a gratuitous shower scene. Something. Or, <laughs> what was something this rated? Was this PG hard PG or is it an R? Um, they did show oh, boobs. It probably was R just from the blood factor because, like, you know, her neck when when she does the bread and her neck like bulges out and it's yeah. like bursting. And then like, that's what they, they do. They get really stopped. venous every time the cat attacks them, so they start bulging and lump. Yeah, I thought that they were going to do like an alien thing there, and it was going to oh, pop yeah. out of somebody's chest there for a while. <laughs> oh yeah. They can't afford that ending. No, they can't afford no, that. What's the alternative there's ending? A, there's an alternate ending, apparently. Well, oh, there's is there? Alternate ending? Is there really? There's a 2019 remastered 4K <laughs> version. <laughs> the oh, God. Is it a 29 reversion in Russian? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, 4K, yeah, it, 4K version. Yeah. It was if anyone needed a riff tracks in 2017, that would be quite funny to see. Oh, I, I don't know how that you was, really like Vinegar Syndrome. Who, wrote, uh, who did one that had alternative endings, um, uh, a different cut of the film as well, and so on and so forth. So I like it when they do that. It's nice to look them up with the... I, I can't imagine what an alternative ending could be for this movie, other than the... I, I think it would have away. to be... I would have to be that the couple didn't get away. Like, something happens to one of them, right. but it starts to affect them, yeah. Or, yeah, the cat, <laughs> like, bursting yeah. out of one of them. Oh, gosh. No, or you have the cat actually into taking the lab. Yeah. I think we also need to look at the yeah, gems yeah. that this director has come out with over the years as well. I mean, Hope he came out with Satan's Sadist, Psychic Killer, Black Shampoo, Satan's yeah, Cheerleaders, yeah. The Return. Um, the Dark. I love the dark. the dark. The Dark is another one that's so idiotic. It's great. 
Is the dark I one? Watch that uh, yesterday and I the original it. Wonder Woman, Kathleen. Kathleen. I think so. I haven't seen it in a little while. I'm going to look it up real quick. Um, I re- I read that book, The Dark, but I remember seeing the movie. It's like, oh, okay. The book was really good. The movie uh, suffered. Um, I th- yeah. The mo- well, I mean, Graydon Clark's big issue is he tries to he makes these these sci fi horror movies, but he never has the budget to do what he needs to do. Um, let me find it real quick. Who actually wrote the script for this movie? Was it the cat? <laughs> the cat. Um, actually, it was the director as well. The director is actually in the movie. Yep. He is one of the yes, lab doctors. Yes, he's the lab technician. Oh, how funny. That's cool. A little cameo. I love cameo yeah, actions. I'm looking at the wrong and movie. I'm looking at 2013, he did write an autobiography called On the Cheap, My Life in Low-Budget Filmmaking. <laughs> I mean, for that in itself, I mean, there has to be, and there was multiple locations. That's not easy to do with such a budget <laughs> like that. It's oh, the, I, it's not this version. Yeah, got, it's one, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, it's not the dark he directed. It's Dark Future he directed. Dark which, Future. yeah, never mind. I I got my I got my uh, my my bad B movies confused. He didn't direct the dark. He directed Dark Future. Because ah. the other one had Kathy, Kathy Lee Crosby, wasn't it, or something like that? She was the original Wonder Woman before Linda Carter. So, might have, Kathy might Lee Crosby. Yeah. She was, I mean, in the pilot, she then they switched to Linda, just like Cloris Leachman was the original Apollo, but she they she was you have to go back and watch it. Oh my god, dude, when okay. Jeff Winger was Wonder Woman, was um Wonder Girl, yeah, she's the original Wonder, Wonder Girl, but Cl- like Cloris Leachman's as Apollo, Diana, like she over <laughs> like ragingly overreacting to it, so great. <laughs> Yeah, because then Linda, because that because it started, it was going to be on ABC, and I think on um, CBS the pilot was shown on ABC, and then um, then CBS picked up the TV series, and that's when it changed to Linda Carter, which is probably yeah. better. Because yeah. that Cosby woman does kinda, not kinda age. Like, she kind of looked like the mother from um, um, Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven, The New Blood. She kind of looked like yeah. her. Yeah, 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 yeah. Her daughter looks just like her, by the way, Linda's daughter. Really? Linda Carter, yeah. Um, Speaking of Friday the Thirteenth, The New Blood, I discovered last week there's a uh, there's a fan made direct sequel to Friday the Thirteenth Seven. The whole movie's on YouTube. I forgot what it's called though. Oh, I, uh, I think I watched this. I know what you're talking about. Yes, they even got Terry Kaiser back, and I was like, didn't Terry Kaiser die in Part Seven? Yes, <laughs> you did. Um, um, Vince Visante uh, posted it. It's Jason's. Wait. Shoot, I'm trying to remember now. It's called Ro- Roseblood or something like that. Ro- uh, yeah, I haven't watched it. I, I know what you're talking about. It, it came Roseblood, Friday the 13th fan film, came out last year. It's a direct sequel to Part 7, where they got a bunch of the cast members back. Oh, my God. <laughs> Lars, Parker, Lars, yeah. Lars Parker Lincoln in it. Is it yes, she is. Terry Kaiser's in it. Uh, the guy who plays Nick is in it. So, yeah, if... Uh, I, it, it might still be up on YouTube if you guys uh, want to look it up. It's Rose Blood, a Friday the Thirteenth fan film. I okay. I haven't seen it yet, but yeah, I'm going to be checking it out soon. It's good. I actually, I, I, did I haven't. I didn't even hear oh. about that. I did. It's, it's good. It's fun. In pre-production at the moment at, with New Line at the moment. So we'll see if that gets on. New Line Cinema. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's an hour and a half. Jason Rising. Yeah. Okay. There's been a bunch of really I solid watched- Friday the Thirteenth fan films over the last couple of years. Yeah, I watched the two thousand and nine version last week. I like that movie. I I actually like the two thousand nine one, but 
I think it just changed some of the mechanics. I think people had a problem with it, or they even tried to do the 80s style and theme to it, which is hard. You can't, I feel like, you either do it right or not do it at all. Um, there's so a movie, by the way. Down to the 80s can't be feeling in it, or. <laughs> there's a movie that's coming out called X. It's on Netflix. Watch the trailer for it. The it's Ty about, West movie. I saw the preview of it last night. It, it looks, looks so amazing. It's it looks very seventies, eighties feel, and they made it look that way, and then they just kind of place this horror theme into it, and it's so it looks amazing. But that's how you do it. But if you're going to go Ty that West. route, do that. That's Ty West. That's you know the guy who directed House of the Devil and the right. Innkeeper, which are fantastic movies. Yeah. So I, I can't wait to see that. Willow's having a reboot yeah, as well on Disney+. Oh, so <laughs> we, we went completely off tangent again. <laughs> we always do. <laughs> yeah. Not I mean, three times. It's kind of funny that basically it's quite funny when you get old Hollywood or classic Hollywood actors jumping into horror films in the 80s. We, we, we do see a lot of it. I mean, we do get Kim Hunter coming in from the Planet of the Apes series going to the Kindred and things like this. And it's quite yeah. funny to see that happen. We like George Kennedy popping up in this. Or, we like had Jack a bunch of them in Ghost there. Story. Yeah. Yeah. And it, most of them was like their last movie as well, sort of thing. So, And the Changeling has, uh, has a few of them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it was kind of interesting because it would be the movies that a lot of these guys would look down on, but then at the end of their career, it's, they're finding themselves in them. It's, it's kind of yeah. weird. Well, wasn't it like Vincent Price and Christopher Lee and stuff? We had that discussion before. They knew they weren't Oscar going to be Oscar-nominated movies, but yet they embraced their genre and their roles. Well, and Vincent Price embraced it. Christopher Lee did not until oh, the he very didn't. end. No, Christopher Lee wanted nothing to do with any horror movies in the 80s yes. and 90s I until Tim Burton that. and Steven Spielberg and those guys started knocking at the door. Then all of a sudden they're like, oh, yes. When he did Revenge are- of the Sith and all that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I can tell you one thing about Christopher Lee is that he is not okay. a joy to work with. So I can tell you that. So. Oh, you've worked with him? I haven't worked with him, but I know plenty of people who have who vowed that if, if whenever he showed up on set, they'd be like, just don't talk to him. Yeah, anything to do with him because he he hated his career and he begrudged anything that he did because he thought that he should be doing Shakespeare and anything that wasn't Shakespeare was below him and he made sure that everyone who was working on the film with him he made sure that they're like I am better than this I am better than you and I'm better than everyone here and I'm only here because (laughs) basically you're paying me to be here. Yeah, and that's what he made it seem like at every single set he was ever on. Um, if you so, go back and listen to our Sam Irvin interview, he talks about how he had a meeting with uh, with Christopher Lee about doing it. And he said, I don't do those kinds of movies anymore. So Christopher Lee in the 80s hated his legacy as a horror star. And the, the moment he could get away from it, he did. But then what eventually happened is you got Spielberg, Lucas, uh, Joe Dante. Jackson. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. They they all started kind of coming to him, being like, "Hey, no, look, we love these movies. We want you to be in our movie." Um, right. It's 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 what's sad is like people first- think that's like beneath them, and it's like why then why even do you know how many people would want yeah. that experience, right? Yeah. And so why did I would have said if that that was ever my perspective, I would say that person you took that experience away Ooh. from someone who wanted it. So if you didn't want it, Mar- why did you do it? You know, Martin Scorsese you- didn't cast him in Hugo because of the time he did Julius Caesar. He cast right. him in Hugo because he loved him as Dracula. And the, it's mm. 
it is. Yeah, it it is what it is. Yeah, like like he said, Christopher. Well, Lee don't has tell the fans that because they're beloved by all. You know, all of them. Well, I mean, as far as Christopher Lee is concerned, I mean, I mean, it's very public knowledge anyway. I mean, you know, I if, didn't if you're know. a fan I of his, he you're going to know this it. Anyway. Like Vincent Price, I didn't know he hated it. Well, Vincent Price, um, it's not that Vincent Price embraced it to an extent that basically this was a way to pay for means of what else he was interested in. Vincent yeah. Price had a lot of different interests that had nothing to do with film right. anyway. Film was a way to keep that. He was able to carry on his art collection, his cookbooks. I mean, he had Vincent Price was very, very diverse and Vincent Price actually was doing a lot of on stage stuff as well. So mm-hmm. he would do his Hollywood films, but then he would also do a little bit of stage stuff as well. Christopher Lee basically wasn't even a lot, wasn't even in theater work either he was basically just movies or sort of thing like so maybe i think maybe reason why vincent price might have been a bit more happy with it because he had he had so much diverse stuff going on around him that basically he could he could encourage that but i think christopher lee kind of wanted he wanted the oscar winning movies you know he wanted michael kane's career he wanted that but he wasn't you know and another thing it was a different time back then i mean it's not like today i mean we kind of forget that today you know we have mo- great big Hollywood actors doing TV series and stuff like this, and they can bounce from place to place. That didn't happen until like tonight, the late night nineteen um, nineties. Before that, right. you were pigeonholed and you were stuck. If you're not careful, you know. If you were a TV actor, TV actors did not graduate into film. Or basically, if you were, you know, Freddie, you know, Robert Englund will always be considered Freddy Krueger. That's one. right. But if Nightmare on Elm was made today. He probably could do Freddy Krueger and do a bunch of different other stuff now because we don't really typecast like we used to back then. So yeah, that's true. In a, in a lot of ways, Christopher Lee was like Bela Lugosi. Uh, one, once he played Dracula, that was it. That's who he was. He was going to be, uh, you know, the the monster or the villain or you know whatever. And, and that being said, he still had a great career. He was a Bond yeah. villain. He was. He ended up doing heavy metal albums well into his nineties. So Amicus, the Amicus series that he did, all those Amicus films he did were yeah. fantastic. Um, the one with the, the skull, I like that film. With the I, skull. Love the skull. <laughs> I love the skull. I love the skull great. so much. Um, that I, black and white I, film where, where he's um, that, that witch town, I can't remember the name uh, of it. Horror, uh, horror Hotel. Yeah. Also City of the Dead. City I the love that movie. That movie, like I said, scared the shit out of me when I was six years old. <laughs> I still love it though. I'll watch it anytime I see it on. I love that movie. It's like one I of my top ten. I never understood people like that. Like, are you really gonna are you really gonna bemoan that you're an international horror movie star? Like, is that really like that bad a lot in life? I, I don't yeah. think they do that now. And as Keith had said, the evolution of that is is like actors now know you have fans, right? So yeah. when you start to do that, where you're like, oh, this is beneath me. I would rather be a serious. You just took all of your fans and you dumped them. Because now nowadays, it's like, whatever makes you famous. Sure, you want me to play the, the duck in whatever? Fine. You know, like, I'm, not, if I'm famous for that. Then, you know, most actors will tend to be more appreciative of it. Because they realize the fans appreciated them for taking that length to be that, you know? The, the most recent case of this is Ben Affleck a couple of weeks ago saying he doesn't want to do any more comic book movies. And then the news came out like three days ago that he's going to, uh, he's going to play daredevil in something again. Oh, yeah. so, no, like, no. Well, that's in like three weeks. 
I mean, I, I can't. Wasn't, no, he was lady. he was a Daredevil, wasn't he? Yeah, there's yeah. yeah. some yeah. kind yeah. of alternate yeah. universe yeah. thing where they bring him back as Daredevil again. Yeah. Well, God, That's you got thing. Venom out That's there now. Saying, you got like a whole host of characters. Because Marvel has do. the multiverse now, so they're gonna they're gonna cameo Ben Affleck as Daredevil in something, even though they're basically trying Daredevil. to compete with Marvel. <laughs> Yeah. What is that. a Marvel movie? Daredevil oh, that's right. Movie. Yeah, that is right. No, wait. I thought Daredevil was DC. No, no, no. no that's right. You're right. Marvel. Yeah. I say though, I don't think anyone's going to think any deeper than Bruce Willis has in the last five years. <laughs> like, How do you figure? Like, what the hell? I know. Yeah, the director Red Box thing. And I mean, there there are films that you can tell. There there are films that he's in that basically he didn't, he didn't even show up for shooting and they had to basically CGI him in because he wouldn't show, show up for the, the rest of the film. I think there's one of those on Netflix at the moment. <laughs> like, oh no! Well, I mean, you know, I, I mean, it, it's it's a double-edged sword, isn't it, sort of thing. I guess, you know, if you're if you're classically trained, you're expecting to maybe get recognition to maybe, and some, you know, we do get actors who, you know, Will Smith's one of these actors as well, and some of these other actors that basically they don't feel that anything that they do is of any worth unless they get some kind of Golden Globe or some kind of Oscar or some kind of award that will justify who they are. So he might have been one of those as well. And then in this movie that, that we were discussing, you have George C. Scott, who, uh, not George C. Scott, George Kennedy, who and went from winning an Academy Award for Cool Hand Luke. Wow. <laughs> and he's uh, doing it. I mean, look at Ernest Borgenheim. He wins an Oscar for Marty, and he yeah. does Hale's Navy, and then he does all these other things because you know he 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 does love working with actors and stuff like this. So yeah. he didn't care about you know I'm an Oscar winner. I'm on, I you know I want to work in ensemble films, which is what Ernest Borgenheim is basically the best known for. Well, you ha- you've had all those throughout history because John Carradine was like that. He's a classically tra- trained Shakespearean actor, but then he's showing up in like these. You know, ten dollar monogram movies, and then he's 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 in everything. Like I I get the feeling John Carradine never said no to a role, but we have this glut of work of his, and I and I love that about him. I love that he could just pop up in something. Um, The other the other side of Christopher Lee was Peter Cushing, who also was doing a whole bunch of movies that maybe were beneath him, but who cares? He looked at his. I love that movie. Yeah. (laughs) Hmm. Well, yeah. Peter, what's interesting about Peter Cushing is that Peter Cushing loved what he did, but he also said that if a if a studio or a, a a small filmmaker didn't have enough money, he would sometimes work for them for free just so, therefore, that they would have a chance. Wow, that's wow. brilliant. Wow. Well, I, Christopher Lee, I think, lost out on Star Wars and Halloween. How do you figure? Uh, he was he was originally supposed to be Doctor Loomis. Oh. yeah, and he wow. turned it down. And I think I think he was supposed to be in the original Star Wars too. He was. Think, he ended up being in the prequels in the in the late nineties and early two yeah. thousands. Well, in the early seventies, he was the Grand Moff Tarkin, right? No, Peter Cushing was. Peter Cushing. Okay, we're not talking about Peter, Peter Cushing. He was supposed to be Darth Vader, I think, or something, <laughs> something like that. Something. And they ended up going with David Prowse. I, I don't remember exactly. Well, um, it was the height, wasn't with, it? Um, yeah. yeah. It was- well, it's David Prowse in the outfit, but it's not his voice. It's um, uh, James Earl Jones' voice. Yeah, yeah James Earl Jones. Yeah, yeah. Jones. And let's face it. When you got a voice like James Earl Jones, I mean, basically, if he's going to give you vo- his voice, you use it because there's nothing better yeah. than James Earl Jones' voice. Right. Remember the, his voice. The, fa- the family guy skit when he came on, no, James, we just want you to do the voice. <laughs> <laughs> the, the suit didn't fit him. <laughs> well, he's also Mustafa as well, isn't he? In, yeah. Um, yeah. Thing. 
<laughs> he does a lot of stuff. I mean, he's got like apps out now for reading and prayer and all kinds of I, stuff. I saw him in hot, um, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof over here when he did that in the West End about five years ago. He tops him. You know. Actually, no, he did on Golden Pond in wow. here in New York, and I saw him in that. He was amazing. Oh, he did? I didn't yeah. know that. I bet you that was. He was amazing. Yeah. yeah, he was really, really amazing. Yeah, we had hot, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof with him, um, Cicely Tyson goddess i mean yeah right fantastic actress and um felicia, uh, felicia rashad as well oh really? i love yeah i love felicia rashad yeah she hasn't been well, around let's get back to the uninvited now that we've gone <laughs> yeah, well, four hours later sorry we were dead and buried in, was it, in, I, I, in the hot I, tin I roof that was in that movie i attempted yeah, that's why he was biting George everybody kennedy winning an oscar and now we're and now he's doing this i tried and now he uh he did cats and now we're back to cats again yeah <laughs> <laughs> and how does it say the uninvited All is still better than cats alone the moonlight <laughs> of the soul of the day i will just like your arm <laughs> i will chew your head off or something I'm not um, watching the Cats movie until they release the butthole cut. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I'm um, actually um, for our <laughs> listeners out there who hate James Corden, <laughs> make sure you do find that petition to get him off our movie screens. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've signed it. I've, I've, I've sent it to all my friends, and they've signed it as well. So bye, bye, James. <laughs> so <laughs> God. Forbid. So anyway, um, invited some um, well-deserved stars. So starting with you, Vicky, how many stars do you give uninvited? (laughs) Three. It wasn't awful. You know, I mean, it was a fun movie. I mean, you got to take it for what it is. It's a fun movie. It's your typical 80s kind of, you know, fun movie. The cat is the star. Or, you know, there really isn't no leading man or leading lady. Who said that? I mean, the cat is basically. The <laughs> yeah, the cat great, is right? the main. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it, it. I didn't hate it. I think a lot of people think that like, you know, might not like it. But it's just one of those 80s. I mean, I, if it says 80s, 80, anything between 1980 and 1991, and it's in the horror genre, I'm going to watch it. So, yeah, no matter what. So how many pussy paws did you give it then? <laughs> Three. <laughs> and what about yourself, Joe? How many um, pussy paws uh, did you give it? I, you know, it's it's weird because on the sur- it's a terrible movie, but everything that I everything that's bad about it is what is makes great. it yeah. completely yeah. entertaining. So <laughs> maybe, maybe three and a half to four, just because it's so dumb that it comes right back around and becomes a great movie. Like yeah. the cat is never the same size after it comes out of the. Or the I don't think they knew that either. <laughs> one minute it looks big, and one minute it looks like a regular sized cat. Yes. One lo- one minute it looks like a puma. The next minute it looks. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like what the hell? There's no rhyme or reason to 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 why it to- lacks continuity. It like a big dog. Yeah. yeah. Totally lacking continuity. Okay. Well, they're actually showing that movie in England to us. 
sex education. That's where babies came from, you know. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and it really screwed us all up, you know. If, if this movie were competent, it wouldn't be nearly as fun. And maybe that's why I'm giving it three and a half. Because I'm like, it's, it should be one star. And if it was actually competent, <laughs> yeah. it would be one star. But it's so incompetent and dumb that it's entertaining as fuck. Yes. Yeah. I, I got, yeah, he said it better than me. <laughs> three edibles. What do you give it? Uh, so I am going to give it a three and a half. Um, the half is actually because I think that, I mean, it is my sole belief that they wrote this entire movie around that one line that the henchman said, who said, uh, you want me to wet your pussy when yeah. he's pouring the wine <laughs> off of the cat? I was like, okay, now this is how they, someone was like, this is how we're going to write the entire movie. This is perfect. Yeah. It's a cat. That's what's invading and t- terrorizing people. It's a cat because we need this line for this movie. So oh, that is just my take. <laughs> I have yeah. a boat. Let's set it on a boat. Let's put yeah. it on a boat. A yeah. cat on Let's a boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself, David? How many um, pussy paws do you give it? Oh, definitely four because it, like, uh, it was entertaining and it was fun and it, it cheered me up no end, you know. And the cat was just great, you know. He was really cool. Actually, we're just thinking, like, you know, he didn't really need a lot of directing, does he? <laughs> <laughs> and maybe just a little bit of kitty cat. No, the garbage belt. No, 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 that's very true. <laughs> but I still think he should have been in Star Wars. Anyway, that's me. Who, the cat? <laughs> yes. <laughs> to be honest, I... Cat Skywalker. I meow, meow. I prefer the cat over the Ewoks any day. <laughs> he does kind of look like Boo. He did. No, he did look like Luke Skywalker. I thought it sometimes when I had my eyes shut, you know. But uh... well, the cat, the cat is the same breed as Boo is. So yeah. Oh say. yeah. It's like Boo. So. Oh. What about yourself, Craig? How many? Um, how uh, many do you give it? How many putty paws? Um, putty, 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 yeah, putty, I'm going to give this. Meow, one, I'm going to give this one a three because <laughs> uh, my favourite cat is still the cat from the Ghoulies. <laughs> um, and I think I'm giving it a three because the wrestler had a really cool blue hat, <laughs> which I thought was really quite good. <laughs> I want one. Oh, done. <laughs> Yeah, three, yeah. Three, three pussy paws out of three pussy. <laughs> I'm gonna have to grab that vinegar syndrome release now. I didn't yeah, know yeah, yeah. I, I thought say. I told a putty cat. <laughs> well, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it four because personally, it's like everyone that should have died died, which is always a plus for me. Yeah, the two people that I like the most actually lived, which I quite liked. Even though the guy, even though the hero guy. <laughs> face changed a lot so I'm, I'm kind of wondering it must i wonder if they kind of like re you know film some and then had a huge break and then went back and filmed some more <laughs> he kept changing his, hair, his, face, his facial hair oh he did <laughs> didn't he he got yeah. more uh rugged he was like oh hi, he went hi. <laughs> yeah he was getting a little more what is more outgoing and bold as the yeah. movie progressed another thing is his hair been. length was going up and down as well between different scenes and stuff like that the <laughs> continuity was something to be wondered about i told you there was no continuity in this movie there's nothing. maybe maybe that's why they kept changing the puppet back and forth because they're like yeah, he has longer yeah. hair let's get a bigger cat he has shorter the cat hair, has no continuity either hold on one the, the minute pup- it's a big one minute it's a little pussy cat and yeah. then Six minutes it's like big flaming black pussycat so you sure it wasn't you know, ed wood shot this movie maybe the cat wrote the script and the and the puppet actually did the filming 
But you know, that's a great save. It has George Kennedy in it. I give it two stars automatically. Yes. Well, you have to uh, just because another two stars. So that's right. Love Clue Gulliver too. So that's that's another oh reason God, to give yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. And it's a classic. I have to sit there and say that you know there are bad movies that you can't sit through, but you can sit through this one as well. And I, yeah, I just it was, it. I was, it. yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, the worst thing you could do is be boring. And if a movie <laughs> yeah. is like this level of bad, it can't be boring because you're no. just going to sit there going, "Oh, what the hell!" And there's yeah. nothing that it's tries so to take it itself seriously. It's so <laughs> That There's nothing in this that tries to take it serious. <laughs> See, they also, off, you know, if someone gives you two hundred thousand dollars and it's yeah. like, let's go make a movie with it, and you're able to accomplish that and get it out, my hat's off to you. I think that yeah, yeah, yeah. probably a make a hell of a porno with two hundred grand. Yeah, I'll tell you this: porn films cost between four hundred to five hundred thousand. With a okay. Snuff film. Yeah. <laughs> you can even make a whole <laughs> of money. I can't so. remind me of the rabbit in um, the Holy Grail, Monty Python, you know. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Sharp, pointy teeth. <laughs> yeah. He's a killer. He'll do you a threat, I'll tell you. Right? So that brings us to the end of the Literary License Podcast. Yeah. Of course, next week we'll be carrying on with Dark Shadows, and the other month we'll carry on with Soap Retrospectives. Then, of course, next month we'll be covering American Psycho by Brett Easton Ellis and the film of the same name. And our next 80s um, two-for-one two will be Killer Clowns from Outer Space and Brilliant. Peter Jackson's Bad Taste. My favorite. So yes. We will attempt show. some continuity. Good night, Joe. Good night, everyone. Good night, John. Good night, everybody. Good night, Craig. Good night, everybody. Good night, David. <laughs> Meow. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you next week for Dark Shadows retrospective. And then, of course, remember next month we'll be Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And... My pussy cat was scratching out on my back door. Scratched so long, poor pussy got sore, sore pussy. Sore pussy. Just a friendly little cat.
see Just a friendly little cat Friendly little cat My neighbor and I Out at the clothesline I said to my neighbor Won't you look at mine My pussy Sore Wet Hot Bald Pussy Just a friendly little cat Friendly little cat My neighbor stole my kitty But I did see I said to my neighbor Set my pussy free Free pussy Sore Wet Hot Bald Free Pussy Just a friendly little cat Friendly little cat Here kitty 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 kitty